back to Becoming Your Best Version, a podcast in which I get to interview amazing, inspiring women to amplify their voices and share their light with the world. I am Maria Leonard Olson, a podcaster, radio show host, civil litigation attorney, author, and journalist. And my mission in life is to help women discover who they really are. Today, I'm excited to have in the studio, Tessa Crone. She is a speaker, educator, podcaster, and coach, and the co-founder of the Open Nesters podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Tessa and her partner, Amir, have a successful podcast in which they discuss the stage of life as kids become adults as the act three or the open rather than the empty nest. They have created new lives for themselves in many ways. And as their adult children like to say, they are living their best lives. The Open Nester podcast has a mission to empower and inspire others whose children are now adults. They seek to imbibe this stage of life, Act 3, with curiosity about the new possibilities and surprises yet to be experienced. Their personal goals are also part of their mission as they believe that being open-minded and open-hearted and connecting more deeply as well as uniquely to new experiences and people will help keep them healthy and vital. They welcome others to integrate these goals into their lives as individuals and as couples. Another aspect of their mission is to inspire more fun, exploration, and the building of a new community of open nesters around the world. By hearing about the possibilities others are exploring as open nesters, they hope you will be inspired to live at the edge of your curiosity. Check out theopennesters.com to learn more. And you can connect with Tessa at The Open Nesters on Facebook and Instagram and on LinkedIn at Stacy Tessa Crone Batat. All of this is in the show notes if you haven't a pen handy. So welcome, Tessa, to Becoming Your Best Version. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here and to hear this intro, which I haven't read or thought about, it, but to hear it again is so inspiring to me because the yet, yeah, yet is is our aligned mission between you and I because become is yet to become, and it comes from curiosity. So thank you for being curious about me. Like I had you on my podcast and I was so curious about you. Well, thank you. Thank you for the light you're bringing to the world. And this new dimension of now we are empty nesters. A lot of people fall into almost depression, I have observed, when their children leave the nest. And I will say it was a hard transition for me when my kids were pushing me away as is their job for getting for gaining independence and if we do our job correctly we are giving our kids wings so that they can be independent in the world but from an ego level that hurt how about for you 
I think it still has the nuance of the pain and the joy of, of allowing. So that's the way I live my life with that allowing. And that's the coaching and seminars. I, 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 I aspire to help others let that be okay with the fact that there's both, that we hold the paradox of joy and sadness. And yet I feel so much like there's so much to learn from our kids as they become adults and to witness how we can look at our ego. I mean, that in itself is the self-awareness one needs. And so I teach a lot of mindfulness and play and, and, and the idea of our vitality and sexuality is a big part of my teaching. And mm -hmm. I do feel like by giving my kids distance and yet my son, my third is home. And again, I'm reattached to him. And so I know that when he leaves, I'll be very sad again. And, and yet, because I continuously develop my own life in full, with full intention and, and with excitement, I know that I'll be okay. So holding both of those is always the most important. And this openness stage of life doesn't have to be empty. It's just knowing how to be curious again, in order to let ourselves find new pathways, because there are so many for us to be vital and for us to be pro-age instead of anti-age, which is a big part of my mission as well. Mm -hmm. And try to teach us to live this vital act three stage of life is so big for me. I love that. And I certainly could use more play in my life as a, someone who spends most of my day fighting with opposing counsel and clients even as a litigator, it's exhausting. And to balance that, um, I don't know, anxiety inducing activity with play would make my life better. So how do you help people incorporate more play into their lives? Thank you for asking. I always say people have to come to their own childlike state of what helps them play most. So there are so many amazing books. When I did my master's, I did it within the context of mindfulness and play. And there's so many great books I could put in the resources for you. Okay. And there are so many ways we can become playful. And it comes from whether we're more visceral. And so I, my play is about dance. And it's always about putting on the music that moves me to be my to just self-express again. Sometimes it's even when it's sad, but then I can shift my energy by being able to move with different music. So dance is huge for me and dancing with the energy of a community is even better, which is why the seminars I do and the places I go, I seek out other high vibrating energy to get that play, even parallel play. So, you know, when you were little, you did the things you liked next to someone else. Mm -hmm. And you and because you were in your authentic body, you actually were able to observe them with this sweetness. I mean, look, you know, there were temper tantrums at age two. I'm sure. <laughs> I don't remember my temper tantrums, but 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 that was expressing what you needed to express and right. and instead of containing it. And yet when you're playful, when you're creative and when you're curious and when you're exploring from the childlike state. Whatever things you like to do, you could do next to someone else. So it doesn't matter. Think back to what you like to do is the way I like to help people play. I always loved to dance since I was very little. So music moved me. But for some people, it's Wordle and that's not embodied, but it's like having fun on that game with, with their friends, especially if they're, you know, seeing who got that Wordle game first. I don't do that. So my daughter is really into that. Mm -hmm. um, but 
I would say that even if you're so if you're physical with sports, play is great as long as you're not a sore loser. If it's if you're competitive, playful, and you're having fun with it, then you're all in getting more play, right? right. So it's, you choose the things that brought you joy when you were a kid, and you give yourself intention and space to find the people to do it with, because play is usually with with others, and so practicing it yourself, whatever that is, ceramics, art, paint, uh, composing music. I compose silly songs to get myself out of a funk because I just have to lighten up. Love Looking it. at yourself in the mirror and just laughing. Laughing is so amazingly therapeutic and we don't have to find something funny. You know how sometimes it's just that little funny bone that gets tweaked when you just laugh at something because you don't know why. We can elevate that laughter by looking at ourselves in the mirror and laughing. It's just not an easy thing. I teach with one of my friends the five levels of laughter and I could could put it in the show notes or somebody can call me, which would be even better. Email me at Tessa at the Open Esters and I'm always happy to share some of those techniques. Thank you. Those are fantastic. And although... What you just said are things I have heard via my sobriety journey in particular. I forget, I forget. And I appreciate the reminders that play can even be scheduled into my highly scheduled life. And I have forgotten about the therapeutic benefits of laughing. And in fact, I have taking, taken laugh yoga classes in the past, which I first thought was ridiculous. But by the end of the class, I felt great. Exactly. So that's actually from a guy, I'm, I'm forgetting his name. I forgot you. Laughter yoga was done in, in India. A doctor, an actual real doctor, MD, was going to the park and telling jokes. And I'm sorry if I don't know his name. We could put it in your notes later. And he ended up creating these laughter yoga by saying, we don't have to have funny jokes. We could just laugh for the therapeutic value. And he created these laughter yoga clubs all over the world. And you could probably find them locally. That's a great way to play. So thank you for bringing that up. And it does seem ridiculous at first. And yet there's something that once we let go, it's about our letting go and surrendering that cerebral, you know, serious mentality that's critical and judging And just allowing. And when we surrender from our body and we laugh, we release so much. It's like the oxytocin, all those, you bring in all that incredible chemical, like your natural pharmaceuticals into your body. The same way sex does, by the way. Love it. Good stuff, not bad. Right, exactly. There's a difference, (laughs) listeners. (laughs) Definitely. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. And hugging and hugging. And hugging. Hug, hugging mm-hmm. more. When I went to Loveburn, my first regional um, Burning Man, just this past month, uh, or when was it? February. I, I taught a seminar. We did a kind of mystical meditation because I teach meditations and getting embodied. And then we did a humming. And at the end, everyone wanted to hug, come over and hug. And they are very consent oriented. Can I give you a hug? And I'm hugging all these beautiful age, wonderful, diverse human beings. And then we said, let's hug, let's hum when we hug. Cause that's a therapeutic thing. Humming, humming Ooh. actually aligns your center. It's a cohesion. It helps you if you hum for many minutes, neurologically for your sinuses to clear space. Humming is a really wonderful, easy way to chant and get embodied. So we were humming and hugging. 
and we created the hum hug. And I started seeing people doing it all over Lovebird. It was my favorite contribution, like this hum hug. And so when I meet people, you meet, you hug on the left because the left is where the heart is. And so you hug from left to left so that your heart can feel the vibration. And when you hug from the left to the left, you need to do it with all your partners today or anybody you love today, all of you. Yes. You feel a big breath in. Oh, and let yourself is... align with that. And it's it's a mindfulness technique that's also playful because it's a hum hug. <laughs> yes, that is so lovely. Thank you for that contribution because I will do that after this podcast recording. <laughs> Thank you. You mentioned that you're consent oriented. And before I got sober and did work in Al-Anon, my boundaries were not good. As a survivor of sexual assault and abuse, I was not feeling empowered enough to set proper boundaries. So how do you let your clients learn how to, in that situation, for instance, let's say I'm getting a certain energy from one of the participants and I don't want to hug. So how do you do that politely? Well, actually, there's something called cuddle parties that teach that. I haven't done a lot of that teaching of boundaries. I can't, I don't want to, you know, say something that I'm not expert in and I don't okay. have trauma experience. Mm -hmm. So when someone's had trauma, it's a very different thing for them to unpack and to go to a therapist for that. So I yes. remember, however, I do believe that there's a very gentle way for us to feel into our body that, uh-oh, I mean, uh-oh, like what little kids even feel, uh -oh. Yes. And to express it by as soon as you really let yourself be tuned into this is not feeling good for my space to be able to say, this is not feeling great for me, just yeah. to be able to say this is not the right time for me. This is not the right space for me. I, I don't feel the same as I did before. You're allowed to change your mind. And the idea of being able to say, I have, you know, I, I respect you. I see you and I need you to see me in what I need. And that's the first step in being able to come together is being seen, right? So knowing how to communicate those boundaries is important. Absolutely. Thank you. I needed to hear that today. And I appreciate that you appreciate that too. So you do all kinds of really fantastic offerings through Open Nesters. And everyone, go do yourself a favor and check out Open Nesters podcast when empty becomes an opening, which I just love. So tell me, you've mentioned some of your offerings and I know that you teach all over the world. Would you share one or two more of the seminars that you have done in the past or might have upcoming? Sure. Well, I've done anything from dancing with trees in the park. I mean, mm. you know, leading this kind of mystical meditation of dancing in the park to the, the one that ended up emerging at Love Burn more recently. Because in person, I think I've done less over the last two years. So it's coming back now after right. the pandemic. And then I have one coming up May 28th with, uh, with my younger colleague called the Tantric Mama. And I'm the older version of this mamas that allow for our bodies to feel our, to really be in our heart space, huge mm. heart space. And how we get into that heart space through forgiveness and through the movement pieces I've talked about and through play and through deep listening and learning how to be silent as well. 
So the silent space is a huge thing that I like to talk about and, and the witnessing the hard, the hardship and allowing us to feel what we have to feel like the Rumi poem. If any of you don't know the Rumi poem, look up the guest house. I don't have it in front of me. Mm, yes, I welcoming love that. our emotions, welcoming, welcome to the emotions. So I've done those kind of things. Yes. In different places. I was in Tel Aviv um, uh, earlier this year. And also I'm going to be back there. And also in, in, we hope I'll be in Europe. I'm hoping to do a few different things and I'm going to Colombia actually to be participate in a retreat though. And to be more um, look at the in plant medicine and take an experience in the jungle and some of the shamans that I'm excited to uh, never have had that experience. And so the openness of this stage of life is what I, I want to teach people, even when we have a little fear, or even when we have a lot of constriction. So the first thing to kind of move through yourself and allowing that. So my offering is to let someone start witnessing themselves so I can be kind of be their coach and be their confidant to be able to mirror their their growth and mirror what they're going through and help them in that in the coaching and in and seminars as i said we we do a lot of experiential pieces uh, the may 28th one by the way is in connecticut up in killingworth killing killingworth connecticut mm -hmm. and we do have a few spots left if, if this is on before may 28th and we'll be doing another one as well if you want to be in touch with me or check out especially my facebook page is where all this is the facebook events so okay. the open nesters, you'll find it under the Facebook events. Fantastic. And really do go check out uh, their opennesters.com website, because I'm now looking at all the articles, the podcasts, the books, the blogs and websites that you share as an easy way to learn more about the topics you teach, which uh, cover a pretty wide range. And one of the topics that you teach about involves sexuality and you are much more of evolved than I am I believe because I think I'm hampered somewhat by my strict Catholic upbringing and I'm trying to shed that actively I now consider myself a Unitarian Universalist but these things are embedded within me from childhood so I view your approach which we've talked about in in private and on your podcast as more healthy, more healthy, but that uh, some of the things uh, you have moved beyond are less comfortable for um, some mainstream folks. So if you could speak a little bit about how you moved beyond the constraints of what society was telling us that we have to do in terms of monogamy maybe, or um, the sexual strictures of our society, just a little bit. Sure. No, I'd be happy. This is one of my favorite topics. So the, I mean, the, the, the restrictions of our psyche and our fantasy life, as far as our sexuality are something that's also been restricted as individuals. So opening that discussion up is part of the coaching and seminars that we discuss that, not just the heart, we discuss our bodies and our sexuality and, and what are the things that we really are fantasizing about. And sometimes that even comes from childhood. Like I actually did some childhood play when I was young that was that was like being the seductress even when I was a little girl. Mm. Everybody played little sex games yeah. and talk about it. Right. So that's still kind of my language. It's very much like that's why my movement and my dance is so prominent for me. 
And mm-hmm. I help people un- unpack what they felt when they were young as far as fantasies. So regardless, we need to get into our own sexual beings to be able to release some of that and allow the permission. So I want to be what one of my podcast guests said, a permissionary. I don't want to be a missionary. Oh, I want to be a permissionary. So that's part of it. And then the ethical non-monogamy, which not everybody can do if you're not securely attached, which if you don't know what secure attachment, look it up. It's an amazing therapy to understand how, um, how we can look at our secure attachment. And, but my husband and I, my partner of 32 years, Amir, who's my partner on the podcast, we don't get along all the time. We are very different people. And yet we love each other so deeply in such a committed way that that's why our logo is this infinity sign on the side that we mm. can go out, we allow each other space. And sometimes for people, that's just emotional, intellectual, allowing space to go out and not feel the constriction of having to be side by side all the time. And then bring back that energy, just like that figure eight into the middle and bring back that new love, that new energy, that more positive sphere of my curiosity and vitality being just being satisfied and fulfilled because I'm open. So we actually are able to do that as an ethical non-monogamous couple for almost half of our marriage. And, oh, and that so, feels I mean, so could... healthy. That sounds so healthy. Thank you for sharing that. So I like to ask all of our guests, and you've already shared some of the answer, I believe. What do you do, Tessa Crone, to become your best version? Thank you for asking this beautiful question, Maria. I hope it opens up everyone to think about it for themselves, because I feel like the idea of my mindfulness and play and lightness practice helps me continue to light up my life by by sharing that light with others. And when I share with others, I am at my best, best self, kind of the idea of when I help others, I did actually uh, some centenarians, a hundred year olds were elevated by my mindfulness and movement class just this week by my interviews with people and seeing their best selves, dancing with people. When my free spirit, when I'm traveling or meeting someone new aligned with someone, I'm feeling my best version because they're in their best self. So those are the wonderful sides. I do want to say though, that sometimes my best version can also be about accepting with compassion, having a hard day on with these tough times and that we're living in and knowing how to be, have my best version by being compassionate and having self-love through those hard days, looking at myself in the mirror and saying, I love you. And just knowing anyway that I'll get through that tough time. So I don't want it to be one thing. I think it's really important. And, and obviously you can hear more of this on, on our podcast and, and in my work, but I do believe that being our best version has both embodies both of the paradoxes. Aho, you are a very wise woman, Tessa Crone, and everyone should look at theopennesters.com and should listen to the Open Nesters podcast because it will open your mind, your life, your world. Oh, thank you. (laughs) So please do yourself a favor, check this out. And I will admit at certain times in my life, I would have been less open to some of these ideas, but I feel myself evolving. I strive to evolve every day and I am open to your teachings, Tessa. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for being your best version to give to the world, Maria. Oh, you are an amazing person. We will be talking further. Thank you. Yes.